says, hey, you're not worthy, so kill yourself. It's better for you to die than to live. That thought is never of God. It's never of God. If there is a thought in your mind telling you that you're not good enough, that you're not that you're not worthy, that God will never, never save you, nobody loves you, that is not of God. So I look in the eye, and I, I can't remember exactly what I said, but I said something down the line of the demon that, that made her wanting to kill her, kill her you're going to come to the front, you're going to leave her right now in the name of Jesus. And then she fell, fell to the ground. There was somebody behind her catching her. She fell to the ground, and then she manifested a couple of other demons, demons also. But, but that, that moment there that the demon came out just inspired faith in the room. And then so many other demons came out in the room. And these were people that are already ministering. Not all of them full-time ministers, but a lot of them already in kind of ministry. And uh, you can ask Benicia. Benicia, also one of her friends. Benicia just got thrown into the dark end there. One of her friends started manifesting a demon. Benicia's there on the, on the ground just casting out, casting out this demon. And afterwards, the guy came to me and said, Hey, Alma, I have so much peace. I have so much peace. And it's just because of stupid decisions that he made, and he opened the door for demons to, to come in. Another lady, she's, um, I said in the first service this morning, a very old lady. But then I realized she was in her late 60s, and then there were some people in the service that also late 60s, and they won't refer to themselves as very old. So... Let's just call this lady older than the other people in the room. So she came forward, and she said she was molested when she was very young. And, and she knows that, that it wasn't her fault. She knows that she's pure. She knows that God has um, restored her purity. But still that shame that's connected to that act that was done to her is still sitting in her spirit. And, and we, we asked the Lord to reveal himself in that moment. God revealed himself, showed Jesus I think also Jesus gave her a hug in that moment, and you could see the peace and the love coming over her, and then Wills just cast out that demon. She felt, felt backwards. It was literally, it was a minute and a half kind of counseling session. It was so easy. I wish all counseling sessions would be, would be so easy. Not always. Sometimes you need to just engage and, and love the person before these things happen, but this lady was just so hungry. And then she, she stood up and she said, I'm going to just feel so much peace. I know that that thing is now broken off of me. It's, it's gone. So there's a, there's a power of confrontation that God wants to do, where he wants to reveal, yes, his love and his kindness and the fact that he has forgiven your sin. And that, by the way, is also it's power of God to think that we we are going on our way to hell. Suddenly God intervenes and now we are taken away out of that place of, of just bringing destruction into our lives and then into a place of peace and loving kindness with the Lord. That is, that is God intervening with his power. But the, the power that I'm talking about that I really believe God wants to do and he's already starting to do that even spontaneously through worship is that when we lift up the name of Jesus, when we do what we've put on here on the, on the top of the roof, where you say, Jesus, name above all names, he starts helping us. He starts advancing his kingdom. And when one kingdom advances, then the king of the another kingdom is moving backwards. So some of us, what we're thinking, we're thinking, well, okay, let's, go, let's pray for the kingdom to come. 
but we don't think of the, the current kingdom that's reigning. And that current kingdom, it will resist. But it cannot resist because God and, and the devil is not on the same level. Can you say that? God and the devil is not on the same level. God's over here. The devil's over here. There's no, there's no war between God and the devil. There's no war. The war is actually in our minds and in deception. The devil is deceiving you and thinking that you're not powerful. You can ask Rika and Yana. They, they don't know too much about what's happening in the spiritual atmosphere. They just go there to Mozambique and then these things happen. And in, in that same village, that was also one of the big experiences for my family when my little brother, 13 years old, looked, uh, I can't remember if it was a lady or a man, in the eyes and said, in his, his high-pitched voice, said, in the name of Jesus, out! And the de- and demon left. Why? Because he, he just thought, well, my dad's doing it. There are people manifesting demons. I'm also going to do it. So, God wants to do things through us, and all you need to do is we need to step into, into that. So I want to, you to open your Bibles in John. We're going to go to John 4. We're going to look at two stories of people that, that are really unqualified to do anything for Jesus, but they did amazing work for Jesus. So John 4, and it's the woman at the well. I think actually one of the um, one of the preachers at the conference shared on this. So, Jesus, woman of the well, John four verse four. Now I had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus. Tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. So Jesus, fully man, fully human, you're allowed to be tired. Okay, some of you are tired this time of the year. So think of Jesus also tired. You're allowed to be tired, but don't let it keep you from doing what Jesus called you to do. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. So I was sharing with the services earlier. And there was a lady, a friend of mine that said, Amor, you often forget to say please. And I was reading this scripture and then I quoted it to her. Look at what Jesus says. He says, will you give me a drink? No please in there. But, but say please. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So Jesus went across or went against customs of the day, the cultural customs, because he loves people. He knew he had an appointment. So he's tired. He's not allowed to speak to this lady, and he does speak to this lady. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who, is, who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them 
will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So Jesus basically sharing with this woman that he's not allowed to speak to about the gospel and who he is. So he's revealing himself. This is the grace of God in action. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. So Jesus is really sneaky with this question because he's testing her in a way. And she says, I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What have just what you have just said is quite true. So here we have a lady, even in our kind of culture, she would be unqualified to do anything for Jesus. Who of you know of people that have been divorced four times? This lady has been divorced five times. And Jesus, in his love, zooms in on her, and he starts this conversation. He's not even allowed to do this. He's tired. He zooms in on her. And now see how she responds. Now we're going to jump to verse 39. It will be on the screen also. She now goes out and shares with everybody this guy that she met at the well. And this is what happens. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what? This immoral woman's testimony. She was unqualified, but because of her encounter with Jesus, she became qualified and God used her. He told me everything I ever did, she said. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days. And because of, the, of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. This is evangelism 101. It is Jesus touching you and you understanding that you have re that you've somehow got the, the life, eternal life in Jesus, in this relationship. And all you need to do is you need to go and find the guy at the matric rage, you need to find your friend, your family member, and say, hey, I'm not perfect. I'm like the woman at the well. I'm not perfect, but I can point you towards Jesus. And if you do that, then people are going to start believing, not in you, not in how cool you are, how anointed you are, but in who Jesus is, and Jesus will take care of them. Often I think it's, the people that really believe that they're unqualified, those people are the best evangelists, the people that can call people into the kingdom of God because they understand they have nothing to give. It's a, it's a pretty great just statement to say about yourself is that you don't have anything to give, that you're pretty useless, but you become pretty useful when you are with Jesus. So, you just point them towards Jesus. So that's the first story. God qualifies the called. He doesn't call the qualified. So next one is Mark 5. 
would have been a very interesting conversation. Hey, so where are the pigs? No, there was a man, he drove out demons, and the demons went to the pig, and the pigs drowned. Sorry, boss. And it, then the people began... We're going to jump to verse 17. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Then verse 18. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. So all the people were amazed. So Decapolis, Deca means 10, Polis means cities. So he went to 10 different cities and he told people about what Jesus has done. An unqualified man, a demon-possessed man, the, the man that everybody warned you against. Hey, don't go there. He holds like a wolf at night and he screams and he cuts himself. He is possessed. That man then gets saved. Through encounter with Jesus, all his demons leave, go into the pigs. There's a business down the drain, drowned. And then he goes into 10 different cities and he tells people about what Jesus did. And people are amazed. I don't know all of you that well, but I don't think too many of you are living in graveyards. I don't think too many of you have a legion of demons in you. But somehow we still feel unqualified. Somehow we still feel like, yo, because of my issues or my insecurities or because of what I've done or my lack of experience, I cannot do this. I cannot share the gospel. But here's such a clear example. And it's actually great how Jesus disciples this guy. This guy wants to go with Jesus. He says, Jesus, takes me along. take me along, please. I want to go with you. And Jesus says, no. You're not allowed to follow Jesus in this moment. He's like, Jesus, please, I want to do three years of Bible school with you. And I want to go to the encounter series. And then I want to go on a, on a mission trip with you. And then I want to do the whole journey. I will do all of those things. And Jesus says, no. You're going to take what you have. You're going to take your story. You're just going to share it with everybody go to your people now tell them what i've done for you and because he did it in obedience there were massive results and yes bible school is great journey is amazing encounters are are good but the point that i wanted to make is that jesus wants to use just your simple story Share it over and over and over and over. It's like my story of being delivered of pornography. I share it over and over and over and over. I'm tired of that story. That's one of the biggest reasons why I'm fighting against pornography is that I just don't want to share that story anymore. Can we just get rid of pornography? Let's clean out the internet of pornography. Such a stupid thing. There's nothing good that comes from pornography, by the way. But share it over and over. If you have a story of how Jesus spoke to you, if you have a story of how um, somebody prayed for you and you got healed, share it over and over and over. Never stop. Because 
It is your story and it is what God has given you. I want you to go to John 6. John 6 verse 9. And here we see the disciples and Jesus, they have a problem. They have 5,000 people to feed, but they don't have food. I went, while we were cycling through the Karua and I was just praying to the Lord all by myself in the rain. I was like, Lord, because this is something that I often do. Lord, how are we going to impact this place? You cycled through these small little towns. I went through Pietersville. I've never heard of Pietersville. Which is funny, Pietras is actually in this story. And like, Lord, how are we going to reach this town? Then we went in Loxton and I asked the people, are there, is there a small group here? Is there people that are praying and worshiping and trusting the Lord for revival in Loxton? And then we went to Sutherland and we found this, this group of people praying and helping kids into understanding who Jesus is and God loves them. Like, wow, God, you are doing something. But God, it still it feels so overwhelming. How are we going to reach these people? Then in Uppington, I, I met this, this farmer from Richmond, and he has a heart for the farming community. And he's like, hey, how, how, can we, how can we connect? How can we help the farmers in our region? Because we are really fully after the full gospel, not only not only reading Bible stories, but understanding what God has for us, understanding that there is a voice of God prophetically speaking to us about our region. How can we, how can we partner? So there's this, often this weight of the, the assignment, the task that God has given the church on, on my shoulders. That's what I, what I feel. And I often feel, God, it's, I'm just too small in the bigger scheme of things. How can we actually fulfill the Great Commission in our day and, day and age? And I think this is a story that gives a strategy into this. So they have this problem, 5,000 people with, to feed. So it's, it's a great principle to understand that God's actually interested in feeding you. Just with good food. He wants to do it. So verse, verse 9, they're now looking for food. And then Andrew Simon comes to... Jesus and he says here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish and then he asks this question but how far will they go among so many so here's something Lord it is it is food but I don't think this will actually help it's too little so this is the man full of faith Andrew Simon Peter's brother and then Jesus says, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About, about 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed it to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they, had all, when, they all, when they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 basket, baskets with pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had, who had eaten. So, yes, Jesus 
taking this little boy's contribution, the small contribution, five loaves of bread, two fishes. And then he gives thanks. And he multiplies that. And he feeds the 5,000 and there's leftovers. And I think this is what God's telling the church. He says, listen here, it's massive. We don't know if we have a president anymore. We don't know who's going to be the next president. We don't know how to get the towns in the Karua safe. We don't know how to get Mozambique into a place where the economy is growing and, and everything is working well. No, we don't know. We don't know how to get dark Africa into the light. We don't know. But what do we, what do we have? You have? You have your story. You have your skill set. You have the, the information that you've received through education. You have a, a talent, a gift, a spiritual gift, a personality type. You have that. And what Jesus is asking, saying, listen here, I want you just to bring that back to me. I've given that to you. I want you to bring that back to me. I'm going to put my hands on that. I'm going to bless that, and it's going to be multiplied. That's the principle of impacting the kingdom of God. Is you take what you have, you say, thank you, Jesus. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's impossible to feed 5,000 people with my five loaves of bread and two fishes. It is impossible. I cannot make an impact. But I know when I bring it to you, you're going to bless that, and you're just going to give chunks of bread from my five loaves of bread to these people. So I want to show you a video of, I believe, somebody who we just used his opportunity. So this is the, the race director of the Munga. So now imagine this. You have a bunch of avid cyclists, some of them the most extreme cyclists, in, probably the most extreme cyclists in South Africa. Included in that group, by the way, was a 62-year-old lady. And I looked at, at where she is because the cutoff time is tomorrow, 12 o'clock. She's probably going to finish, 62 years old, 1,127 kilometers. She's going to cycle. Amazing.